Hey guys, welcome back to the Sit Still Look Pretty podcast with me, Summer. And me, Vanessa. We are so glad to have you guys on episode two of what is the commercial awareness series, where we bring you the latest and the hottest in the commercial world, in the business world. So today we thought it would be good to talk about the recent news of the EU sadly suing AstraZeneca. So thoughts on this well you know what you said sadly i don't actually think it's that sad (laughs) i was just trying to be polite (laughs) so the eu are bringing legal action against the anglo-swiss company astrazeneca due to the rollout of the the astrazeneca vaccine obviously is one of three that you guys will probably know about and they're bringing this in the because of the breach of contract based off the fact that they feel like the eu commission for like the delivery in what they initially contracted into hasn't been fulfilled yeah so i guess the divergence between what was contracted and what was actually well delivered performed Mm. whatever terminology you prefer well the underpinning issue of this whole dispute is the time period of how many doses were contracted to be supplied and the fact that you could argue that it's a shortfall between what was actually contracted for and what was actually delivered. So in the legal world, we would deem this to be a breach of contract. And that's because time periods, shipment periods are usually deemed to be conditions. And a condition is something that if it's breached, it entitles the innocent party, in this case, the EU, to terminate the contract so with that out of the way that we've given you that background now i think we can proceed with a bit more of uh, the legal side of it yeah so a breach of contract ultimately ultimately means when a party does not comply with a core condition term like we said the time of delivery of the astrazeneca vaccine which is of the issue here that this condition this time term time period goes to the root of the contracts the entire reason as to why the eu commission got into this contract with astrazeneca the company was because they wanted a specific rollout of said vaccine and in a specific time and therefore the time period goes to the root the very essence of why these two parties contracted in the first place and like vanessa says when there's a breach of said condition this enables the other party to terminate that contract and obviously as you guys can already tell this is going to be a big issue this literally came out on the 27th oh no 26th of april we're recording this on the 27th of april so we're bringing you all of the information that we could possibly get so far and the requirements for a breach of contract well when the courts look at it and from a legal standing point there has to be a valid and binding contract and this means that the two parties have agreed to all of the terms and we'll talk about a principle called the freedom of contract later in this episode to give you guys a bit more background on that the second is that the plaintiff's performance they have performed their obligation and here when we're talking about the plaintiff if we're talking about the eu commission they're the people that are bringing the case ahead against astrazeneca the defendant's performance had to have led to the breach that's number three and here the defendant astrazeneca the company and finally there has to be proof that the defendant aka astrazeneca their failure in performance in the contract what they contracted to perform constituted to damages and when we're talking about damages here we're going to be talking about how there were said quotas which were supposed to be reached in a specific time of the vaccine rollout from AstraZeneca that weren't reached according to the EU commission. 
You know, this this whole discussion is slightly off topic, but it just makes me think of, uh, do you remember, like, ages ago, I saw this meme and it was like, oh, you know, being in law school, being a lawyer is like constantly reading terms and conditions. (laughs) (laughs) And this is exactly what it's like. This is why it's so important you read your terms and conditions. And that's why it's called terms and conditions, because conditions, if you breach them, then the innocent party then is entitled to terminate the contract. Now, you must be thinking... Why are conditions important and why, why is time treated as a condition? As Summer has already said, what a condition is, it, uh, it promotes certainty and party autonomy. And that's very important in contracts because a lot of contracts are, you know, when you enter into a contract with someone, you, you want a certainty that you are going to get the thing that you are contracting for because that's why you are entering into that contract in the first place. So condition is what goes to the heart of the contract as summer has already said so time is treated as a condition therefore because you could be contracting for 50 kilograms of apples but when are you going to get those apples are you going to get them after you die like what 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 good are they to you after you've you've died you know what i mean like you have to get them within a certain period after which it can be said that the contract has been breached because the time condition has been breached. So it promotes certainty in that regard. And of course, party autonomy because of uh, freedom of contract. You've entered into that contract willingly. It wasn't, you weren't under any sort of obligation to do so. It wasn't imposed on you. And therefore, time being treated as a condition sort of honors your autonomy in a way. I guess it could be argued conversely as well. And we invite discussion on that absolutely 100% but I think we'll leave we'll leave that legal legal background there and now I think we can move on to the EU framework yeah just really quickly before we go into the EU framework linking to that the time is important because you're relying on that time like Vanessa says you've entered into this willingly because you want something to come to you at a specific time and this is going to be very important especially for this discussion because AstraZeneca is supposed to roll out a vaccine for the COVID-19 infection which by the way can i just add a lot of economies are are depending on that a lot of economies are depending on time frames even when you look at the uk Mm. they have this phased sort of easing of of lockdown Mm. and we're moving through phases i think the next phase is on the um, 17th of may or something like that so this rollout of vaccines within this particular time period is very essential and that's why the contracted supply has to be done within a certain sort of time frame because there's other things Mm. depending on it and in a way you can observe this sort of model in a lot of day-to-day businesses you can when you contract for something it's usually you want it in a in a certain time frame because you are either selling it to someone else or you have other contracts that are depending on the performance of this particular contract mm-hmm. and so on and so forth so commercial certainty is absolutely 100% very key when we talk about time conditions and again i'll say this one more time you can even observe it in like international commercial sales where you have chain chain sales oil trade commodity trade that kind of stuff usually you sell something and then you make chain sales from mm. it and that's why performance within a time period is very important because if that one contract doesn't perform then you have the whole chain just kind of chilling there just waiting for goods that are not going to be delivered 
yeah exactly and not only does that go to a commercial like the kind of commercial essence of contracts but also to the root of the eu framework which is what i'm going to talk about right now so there's seven key institutions of the eu european parliament european council council of the european union european commission which is the body the institution that's bringing this claim and they are the most powerful institution in the eu then you've got the court of justice, justice of the european, european union, union. <laughs> and then you've got european central bank european court of auditors as well and just to sort of highlight this it's been a lot of discussion around brexit anyway but the eu is like its own body it's like the uk it has its own parliament it has its own local governments it has its own banks and and, and things like that and the eu also acts as a body and they are in charge of the 27 member states that are involved in the eu and as i said the european commission is the most powerful institution in the eu and the president therefore of the eu commission is probably the most powerful person in the eu framework can we just cast our minds back to like 2016 i think it was like when the newspapers were writing about jean-claude juncker who is the he's not no longer the president of the uh, European Commission but he was at the time and I think all the newspapers were calling him like the most dangerous man in Europe <laughs> or something like that so uh, yeah absolutely that kind of just strength strengthens what Summer just said about the president of the European Commission being in a very senior position and having a lot of power. Yeah and now linking back to what Vanessa said about how there's a commercial reliance on the rollout of this vaccine and now and now this contract there's five core principles of the EU and the first being human rights, the second being proportionality, third being legal certainty, fourth equality, and fifth subsidiarity. Oh my goodness, that was a really <laughs> bad pronunciation. Excuse that. But these five core principles are going to be discussed in the light of this because obviously, as well as how there is a commercial reliance on this contract, this rollout for economies, but there's also, we're being stuck inside, There's haven't there's had to be kind of like a, our right to liberty and things like that have been put on the back burner through lockdowns, through tears, through lack of travel. You know, our freedoms that we can exercise as individuals have also been put on the back burner for the benefit of everybody's health. And this vaccine gave hope to everybody that we was going to be able to get out, we was going to be able to live life as autonomous beings as we we're allowed to do. And there have been a few cases that have come to light. I'm not going to discuss them right now, but if you want to read my dissertation <laughs> feel free but these are going to be discussed today because these core principles that underpin the eu are also partially the driving force behind this case and behind their european commission sitting here and being like you've breached the contract you told us that we were going to get said number of doses in a said amount of time and this hasn't been followed through so i think it's also worth worth to mention that a uh, council of the european union is made up of every single member state and the decision to now you might be thinking why does this matter to us in the uk we've left the eu you know, <laughs> brexit and all of that and the short answer to that is that it does matter to a degree to an extent i feel like someone has to add something <laughs> it matters because as i said you know how the eu is like that uh, like their own body 
their own as much as there are 27 member states they are their own body they across internationally we are sharing vaccines we are giving resources we are giving doses of astrazeneca across the board it's not just what's going on in the eu you beat me to it i was just yeah. gonna say the exact same thing but i saw you like edging to say it so i was like i'll just let her say it <laughs> i didn't know you were gonna say that i didn't know it was on your i didn't know you were gonna say that but yeah so that's another element that we're going to dis- we're going to discuss because it's not just about i don't want you guys to sit here and be like oh it's just the eu that's bothered about how much astrazeneca they're getting how much astrazeneca these 27 member states and the eu get into from the company astrazeneca that affects the rollout now internationally as well it's not just an eu situation it is an international situation and we'll we'll get into that i think when we go into the nitty-gritty of the facts which i think we're gonna do now yeah sounds good to me let's do it so what is actually going on i feel like (laughs) you know if you've if you've gotten this far on this episode congratulations because that was a very long intro (laughs) it was but what is actually going on well According to Euronews, on the 26th of April, so yesterday, the EU is basically beginning legal action against AstraZeneca for breach of contract, which we've already covered. Breach of the contract obviously concerns the delivery of the contracted supply of the doses that they were supposed to supply. A spokesperson for the EU Commission has said that there's been a breach of advanced purchase agreement and that AstraZeneca was supposed to produce... 180 million doses in the second quarter of the year but uh the delays which haven't actually been specified what they were has there's been absolutely no clarification of what caused the delay but because of these delays that they've had to they've failed to produce those 180 million doses so because astrazeneca is cheaper and it's easier to use than other vaccines like pfizer and moderna it it just basically causes like a whole Mm. conundrum yeah like astrazeneca is it has already been endorsed by 50 over 50 countries but the failure to deliver on the company's commitment is really the root of the issue here because to deal with something as colossal as this covid19 pandemic which has affected everybody's life for over a year now to contract into an agreement with an institution as powerful as the eu commission in itself and then fail to fulfill your obligations without giving a hundred percent clarity on why you're failing to to fulfill your obligations it kind of is disrespectful feels like the wrong word but it kind of is because you have this company has it it just feels like they haven't honored their promise exactly they have they have promised to do something and they haven't followed through that's basically the essence of you know the breach of contract this is the thing though can we just focus on that word commitment for a second leaving aside all of the press that astrazeneca has been getting the bad press that they've been sort of put under the delays is very vague it's very Mm. like it doesn't specify but what caused the delays is it a force majeure is it can it be excused is there even such a clause in the original contract to sort of excuse non-delivery or to excuse the delay or whatever it's just vague and honestly it's a shame that we don't know more because we would have loved to to talk about it like literally before me and v started this episode we said like oh we really wish like we had the contracts because if we had the contract we could actually sit there and let you guys know if there was a force majeure clause or not but the fact that the eu commission are bringing a case anyway if there 
was a force majeure clause AstraZeneca would be able to excuse themselves and be like well this is an unprecedented event this is what happened blah de blah de blah but they, that hasn't happened and the EU commission are still very confident in their decision to bring this case forward wouldn't it be so ironic though if like AstraZeneca was like oh you know we've had covid delays or whatever <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't it be so ironic to excuse the delay like for a covid vaccine literally <laughs> You know, hey man, transportation has been tough during this yeah. pandemic. Like, but one thing I feel like we should we should clarify is what a force majeure is. Because mm. oh, yeah. I feel like we haven't told you guys. So a force majeure is basically a clause within a contract that sort of gives a bit of leeway in mm. terms of if there's any delay mm. of the of the time condition of the performance of the contract and it's used very rarely very very rarely and it's very rarely successful but it nonetheless sometimes exists yeah i feel like a lot of if there's any uni students listening to this yeah i know 100 percent. you guys have researched to try and find to see if there's a force major clause in your contract for your for your uni home because i did that and there isn't one and now i'm stuck paying rent for a house i live in just like a little side note like a little analogy for what actually is a force majeure clause um but anyway back to 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 the facts so Stephen de cheers macro yeah i didn't want to pronounce his name wrong has as a as a spokesperson has said that the company has not been in the position to come up with a reliable strategy to ensure the timely delivery of doses and what matters to us in this case is that we want to make sure that there's a speedy delivery of a sufficient number of doses that european citizens are entitled to key entitled to and which have been promised on the base of the contract so the words that i've kind of emphasized on are really the root of this so the time delivery sufficient reliability and the entitlement as well as the promise on the basis of the contract here's the thing though sufficient i mean you've contracted for a set number of 180 million doses yeah sufficient doesn't cut it this isn't oh you know i went to the shop to get 19 potatoes i only got five but like that's sufficient no it's subjective and i think this is another thing that comes with not just legal action but a lot of contract based action is it is subjective to the intention of the parties that's something that very much goes to the root of you know like the freedom of contract and things like that it's their intention but sitting here as an individual who's obviously we're not still part of, still part of the eu but as a european citizen for example i can imagine them sitting there and being like he said sufficient but we were supposed to get this so does this affect me but now like we're not even talking about the time condition mm. anymore now we're literally talking about the quantity of the goods yeah. that we're contracted yeah. for so by the way this is also a condition mm. so it also it goes exactly to the same end goal but still yeah you know i feel like we should we should mention yeah. that and then entitled to like what is that supposed to mean so this is what goes back to like the core principle of what i said about the eu so there's a lot of i think a lot of us saw this when it came to brexit and the opinion of the european union as itself as this whole government governing body the ability for their legislation and their decisions to override domestic law and european citizens are entitled to it because the european commission as the most powerful institution has contracted for the benefit of them so sitting here saying there's a, there is an entitlement, there is because they're governing 27 member states here on and they've co contracted into this on behalf of all of these citizens within these 27 member states for the benefit of the vaccine that 
like a human right, you are entitled to. I get that. Considering this in its abstract, I know that what you're saying, like it is for the benefit of 27 member states and all of that. But in the abstract, this is a contract. This is no different than a contract between company and another, which are have no government derivative. It's literally a contract. Mm. Like on the face of it, this is just a contract and it clearly has been breached there's been short delivery mm. there's been delays but yeah so objectively this is a contract and of course you know european citizens are entitled to it of course there's that humane a- aspect of it as well but let's in terms of just looking at it as a contract it's been very clearly been breached so mm. it's therefore warranted that the action on behalf of all 27 Mm. member states has come as a result and i guess we also spoke about this in relation to the bad press that the astrazeneca vaccine has has been getting you know the blood clot and such yeah i think what v said is really going to highlight what's actually going to come from this case you're going to get judges that are going to sit there and be objective and be like it's a breach of condition no matter who it was entitled for blah 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 blah, is a breach of condition that's it either way both of these points stand but then there's also going to be certain judges that are going to sit there from a humanitarian perspective and say it was contracted for the benefit of said people and i think that's really going to be the issue for astrazeneca because you're going to have two of these arguments both refuting what they've done hypothetically because we don't know what's going to come of it as of yet but either way from both angles they're really going to have to sit there and from that humanitarian perspective and also the objective commercial perspective take heat for the fact that they've breached the condition and the population of 27 member states relied on this so i would actually almost say that because the the they've been promised this on the basis of of the contract Mm. the entitlement almost comes as um is a product of of that contract so yeah like you say both lead to the same outcome Mm. but in a way i i'd be more inclined to think that the contract the constitution of the contract itself kind of gives birth Mm. to that entitlement Mm. in a way yeah i think they very much go hand in hand together and i think that's why astrazeneca is going to take so much heat from from this case so guys keep your eyes peeled and we will be talking about it on insta stories after we air this episode but let's revert back to march now a little bit because the european commission also said some quite interesting things last month sort of adhering to what was what's happening now so as i said the president of the european commission probably the most powerful person in the entire eu ursula von der leyen apologies if i've pronounced their name wrong had already accused and this is from euro news as well so the fact they're using accused here is very strong terminology yeah exactly accused astrazeneca of unfortunately underproduced and under delivered by march they were supposed to have already given out 70 million doses and apparently it was significantly less this is the thing even her choice of words is very interesting underproduced and under delivered that very much pertains to that breach of of uh, time condition Mm. under delivered basically saying that performance hasn't been made within that specified time time period in the contract and under produced also pertains to the to the fact that not enough doses were made as were contracted for which as we said earlier kind of pertains to that basically the defendant's performance has led to the breach of the contract and if we look at the requirements for invoking a breach of contract sort of claim the plaintiff has performed their side of the contract which i assume is probably payment the defendants have breached their side of the contract by not having performed and yeah there's that 
so i think this really much enhances the distrust in the company that already occurred from the beginning of the year based on the lack of the speed of the rollout and this was further enhanced when i'm not sure if a lot of you guys know this but brussels obviously is the core of the eu they threatened to block vaccine exports so what this means is the eu how they're running the vaccine rollout is through this like blockchain kind of vaccine export method where they sit there and they roll out a certain obviously as i said they govern 27 member states so they're flushing out these vaccines to these different 27 member states they have to make sure that one of the core principles equality they're all getting an equal opportunity to get the vaccine for the population there's no this population needs more than the other at first and they did this in january 2021 so this year and um, the commission introduced the transparency scheme and they altered it as a case-by-case basis and this followed from the AstraZeneca underperformance as President Ursula has already said and then they included this like proportionality in reciprocity yeah thanks into this scheme you can tell that I've started a podcast and I can't even pronounce certain words love that for me um hey man we're all doing our best over here (laughs) yeah so proportionality basically when they introduce this into this case-by-case transparency scheme for the blockchain export it basically meant that there there was now going to be an analysis of each country's health situation and the vaccine rate and the availability of doses that each country had was entitled to could roll out and an example of this could be that you know the uk and israel they're ahead of the block of the that the blockchain company kind of vibe i was actually gonna say israel is doing really well yeah i saw like on the news the other day and i was like yeah. wow yeah seriously the way it's been handled by loads of different countries i think has surprised a lot of people because there was even that surprise that africa they didn't have as many cases and the way this entire covid19 pandemic has rocked the world i think is very much highlighted the benefit and the efficiency of certain governments that normally in times of normalcy no one would actually realize so if we're talking about uk and israel they're ahead in the vaccine rollout so when they're going to now make a request for or this AstraZeneca dose, certain amount of doses, whatever their quota is, they may now be refused because now there's not enough because AstraZeneca didn't fulfill their obligations of rolling out enough said time. But this goes back to the argument I made earlier that economies are depending on this and this isn't just a breach of contract. Well, it is a breach of contract, but it it's it ripples into a whole other field yeah. realm of of challenges. Yeah, because you have all of these countries now depending on it. When you want to now submit an application for your dose of AstraZeneca for your country now, the UK and Israel could be refused because there aren't enough because AstraZeneca didn't fulfill their obligations. So this is why this is so big. And again, this also goes back to the argument we made that the UK has left the EU. So why should we care? Well, surprise, surprise, Israel and UK are both non-EU countries. So, And I think linking to this, it goes back to Vanessa's argument about international commercial sales here, where you don't know the contracts other countries have made with the EU on the reliance of the promise made between the EU Commission and AstraZeneca. That is another thing that we need to think about here. So the contract made between the eu and astrazeneca and it links back to this other important topic under contract law which is detriment and the eu commission may have now relied this may be another argument that they bring forward in their case where they relied on the detriment but this is the 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 whole economy's Mm. argument that i made earlier like it's it's detriment they've relied on this contract yeah to their detriment so uh, yeah 100 yeah. percent. like obviously a lot of you guys know already 
the UK and the EU have their own trade agreement and stuff like this but the COVID-19 pandemic is another thing and this is why I said that it is an international affair it's not just about the EU it is an international affair because as much as Stephen earlier <laughs> has said about the European citizens are entitled to them you can now see that the contracts made between countries like the UK Israel and these agreements have also affected it's like saying sorry to like jump ship here a bit but <laughs> that was punny considering what we're about to say <laughs> so you remember when the whole like Suez Canal thing happened with that ship like stuck in the Suez Canal and a lot of people were like but dude like why should anyone care like it literally doesn't have anything to do with me it does if you've purchased something from like aliexpress or shein or whatever like websites that are very far away well surprise surprise a lot of those things get carried by ship and if the ship gets stuck then obviously it affects you so apply the same analysis and maintain the same mindset here too guys yeah so now we can talk about the contract between eu commission and astrazeneca being the ship that is now stuck in the canal (laughs) (laughs) this is why it affects everybody because it's not just these 27 member states it is the rollout of everybody and this is links now to the second element which is reciprocity <laughs> this is the second time <laughs> yeah. i lo- i couldn't say it so i genuinely was like vanessa please take this <laughs> by the way <laughs> it's okay i am a hero <laughs> you got me bro but yeah so non-eu countries receiving the eu dose shall need to now provide back to the eu once they have exceeded the block that's what this kind of element means either in doses or ingredients to produce doses now this further links towards the argument we've been talking about chain contracts so now now these contracts that the eu has with other countries about providing doses ingredients in favor for the eu dose of astrazeneca which is based on the agreement between the eu commission and astrazeneca now is also further affected the thing is like globalization has made it so that everything is connected Mm -hmm. you know you're no longer living in like an isolated country with like no sort of international dimension whatsoever every single country has some sort of international Mm. relationships the eu has stated that the return from non-eu countries using the eu dose as provided by astrazeneca it doesn't have to be equivalent to not place such a high importance on countries that can't provide it's a bit more they're a bit more compassionate in this sense but this very much highlights the this change in the blockchain export vaccine rollout situation the difference between now equality and necessity and the battle that is coming ahead because like i said one of the core principles of the eu is equality now but now they're having to do it on a necessity basis based off the breach of contract as from astrazeneca of not rolling out the vaccine as quickly as they said they would and in as many doses as they said they would also though i do think that like in a way we should consider their side of the situation as well right and this is a pandemic covid has been covid19 specifically has been a somewhat unprecedented time as we've all experienced and uh, maybe they were a bit optimistic in their estimates i agree maybe they were just a bit hopeful it was wishful thinking on their behalf however they shouldn't have contracted based on that wishful thinking because now this has rippled into all of these other side effects Mm. no pun intended (laughs) of economies relying on their detriment to an extent 
on the vaccine. So I guess we could see it from their perspective as well. However, I don't think that they should have contracted based on yeah. that wishful thinking. I think we both agree that we don't feel like that's a strong enough argument because when you you have the freedom of contract, you can't just run wild with it. You can't just over estimate what you can do you should be if anything underestimate listen i'm all about you know let's take a risk and stuff like that but in you, you gotta calculate the risk to mm. an extent and with this whole situation considering the novelty of the virus and the mutations and everything it's not a very strong enough argument but i think nonetheless it deserves some sort of consideration mm. i think they will very much bring that ahead i think it'll be very interesting to see their reasons behind why they didn't roll out as quickly as possible and to see whether the courts accept it because you do see certain times where courts are a lot more compassionate when it comes to the situation and i think when it comes to the covid19 pandemic as much as it has been going on for a significant amount of time it has also partially been going on for a significant amount of time because we they were struggling to produce a correct enough vaccine and even the vaccines we have now like of astrazeneca there is a fear of blood clots with that as well i think we're all humans and we all have a compassionate side that we tend to be in touch with a lot of the times mm. however the bottom line is i think this is a contract mm. and if we apply the basic principles of contract here and the case law and the precedent and the law and everything the outcome is likely to yeah. be that there is a breach of contract it'd be interesting to see uh, yeah. what arguments are going to be brought forward in on astrazeneca's behalf yeah. i don't think anyone would be inclined to i can't to agree i i think maybe they might try to put some weight on the whole like bad press argument mm. say that oh because we've had these like blood clots or whatever yeah that they might try to be like we try to develop a better version or whatever and mm. that took more time yeah or i think yeah. it'll be very much interesting what we will do is when this does come to head and when there is more information we'll do a bit of a not a new episode but we'll do a bit of a talk on our insta stories and maybe even uh post a tiktok about it so that we can provide you guys with the with the latter information what we what we find out what comes from it overall i do agree that there was a breach of contracts especially with the time of the doses and as how many doses that they said that they were going to they were going to provide but i think we're going to wrap it up here because i think we've spoken a lot about this and it's a very heavy fact-based episode and i think it's given a lot of food for thought and it's also very early days maybe yeah. and as it develops maybe we'll do another episode on mm. this in the near future we don't promise anything but uh <laughs> If if it goes down well with you guys, yeah. then maybe we'll we'll do another episode on it. But I think it's very much still baby steps in relation to to this topic. So yeah, I think we're gonna wrap it up here. As Summer said, let us know what your thoughts are on this whole situation. We'll see you guys next Saturday. See you next Saturday. Bye. Bye.